This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. The mighty Aphrodite and I are re-watching Game of Thrones. Now, the the first time we started watching, it was fresh off the back of Downton Abbey. So, needless to say, Thrones was um, uh, a bit of an assault on our uh, senses and sensibilities. Well, we were simultaneously uh, shocked, disgusted, titillated, embarrassed, enthralled. And so it was kind of hard for us to follow the plot. This time around, though, we've become... I guess somewhat inured to the uh, endless parade of profanity, butchery, betrayal, perversion. So we're actually able to focus on the storyline. And um, I must say that amidst the backdrop of COVID, uh, authoritarian lockdowns, cancel culture, uh, a U.S. capital looking like it's under military occupation, rumblings of secession in the United States, big tech censorship, cancel culture, Communist Chinese infiltration suddenly thrones Game of Thrones seems like it's uh, ripped from today's headlines. Uh, granted, I'm sure every generation or previous generation would have the exact re- same reaction to this TV spectacle. Um, after all, power and betrayal, jealousy, revenge are universal themes, as uh, the great bard wrote in, I believe it was Twelfth Night, "'Twas Ever Thus." Uh, And now we're playing this game. Maybe you did the same. I know we're a little late to the dance with Game of Thrones, but we play this game. We're trying to recast Game of Thrones with actual people, people in the news, politicians. Which real-life politician would play Cersei Lannister? Who would play Jon Snow? Or the uh, the slippery, power-hungry uh, Peter Baelish. Uh, we are indeed living out a real-life Game of Thrones, and make no mistake, winter is coming. In fact, it may already be here. Uh, so, who are the White Walkers in all of this? Is it is it Klaus Schwab and the Billionaires Club in Davos? Are they coming for us? Uh, except we don't have a wall to contain them. I'm sure my guest this hour has a thing or three to say about 
Klaus and the Great Reset and Big Tech. Uh, John B. Wells, he's got a a brass gong of a voice, a terrific uh, voice actor, a terrific broadcaster. You're no doubt uh, familiar with John's various broadcast platforms, including Caravan to Midnight, Arc Midnight, of course, previously heard on Coast to Coast AM. And he's standing by from uh, the great state of Texas. I believe he's in Texas tonight. Uh, Before we get John in here, just a quick programming note. Coming up in hour two, privacy consultant Gabriel Custodiet uh, will be here to discuss uh, various dimensions of private living from uh, the basics of cybersecurity, asset protection, international nomadism, and privacy during COVID-1984. How to proclaim or sorry, sorry, how to reclaim uh, your privacy in the digital age that's coming up in the second half. All right. I hope you're settled in. I have been looking forward to this conversation for some time. John B. Wells has been described as a modern era combination of Walter Cronkite, Paul Harvey, Sherlock Holmes, and your favorite wise uncle. The only thing deeper than his trademark voice are his innovative insights, inspiring interviews, and delivery of fact-based news. John recorded his first audio radio commercial uh, while still in grade school. And later evolved to become a legendary Dallas-based rock DJ playing records while also setting uh, many for audience size and market share. John has been internationally recognized for his music, writing, speaking, acting, voiceover skills, appearing in Oliver Stone's JFK. And as I said, hosting Coast to Coast Radio, just a part of his life's work. John is a syndicated radio show, uh, digital satellite, global video podcast, YouTubes are enjoyed globally by a most sizable audience. And you can uh, join John's many syndicated terrestrial radio stations in addition to his multiple subscriber broadcast platforms, Caravan to Midnight weekdays and Arc Midnight on Saturday nights. His guests are experienced and intriguing experts, whistleblowers, cutting-edge scientists, legal experts, world-class musicians, performers, humanitarians, and even concerned parents who just want a better world for their children to grow up in. To grow up in. Hey, John, welcome aboard. How are you? Very well, Richard. Thank you very much for bringing me on your program. I've, um, of course, heard you many, many times over the years, and uh, and uh, a lot of people out there love you, man. So I. I, I it's a real honor to be on on your program tonight. Well, right back at you. I, I, just indulge me for a minute, John, if you could. Would you do me a favor with those amazing pipes of yours and say winter is coming? Almost assuredly. Winter <laughs> is coming. <laughs> Before we get rolling, just uh, there may be a handful of my listeners who are not familiar with Caravan to Midnight or... Um, Arc Midnight on Saturdays. Tell us about those two programs. What will people experience if they watch, listen, subscribe? Well, Richard, in the broad strokes, uh, I left uh, Coast to Coast AM the, um, I guess it must have been the third weekend into January of 2014. And that was was the end of the line, as it might be. But I had already mentioned that over the course of the two years, 2012 and, and 2013, of, of hosting Saturday night regularly and then filling in during the week, I'd already said, this is this is not my program, this is somebody else's program, but if I were to have a program, that program would be called, yep, I'd call it Caravan to Midnight. And then later on, the uh, Mr. Oliver over there said, and you can put your personal website there and whatever. 
So I was already planning on doing something because, I don't know, I just, my whole life has been just do your best, wait until one of those stepping stones appears, and then step on it and stand there. And in a little while, maybe a while, but uh, eventually another stepping stone will appear, and and uh, you step on that. So Caravan of Midnight has actually been in the making since 2006. But then when, after the, the I would say, pretty good success at Coast to Coast AM, then uh, when they said, listen, we're going to go a different direction, I'm like, I'm okay with that. Boy, how many times has that phrase been uttered in the radio business? <laughs> so a week later, we fired up uh, Caravan to Midnight, a member service, and we began doing these video interviews. And we were just so enthusiastic about the whole project that we didn't say, okay, it's going to be exactly this long each time and so forth. We just wanted to get it out there and, and get it on and talk about all these things that have been boiling up inside for a long time that really couldn't be talked about on over-the-air radio or not at length um, because you have to deal with commercials and so forth, and that's fine. I mean, that's the radio business, but uh, Hugo Fugan, for example, deconstructed this whole Loretta Fuddy water landing out there in the Hawaiian Islands, and we, we sat with him over the course of two days. Uh, actually, we had to make it into a two-parter, is what, is what I mean to say. We sat with him for seven hours, which that's the record. We That wasn't regular, but, but eventually um, we realized these programs are too long. They really are. You're going to make people's head explode, and their collective head explode with this, so we trimmed them down a little bit, and then and then, when all this censorship hit, um, we've been going since February the 3rd, 2014, so we're almost at seven years here, and, and it really is, it's just, uh, it's been amazing, but with, you know, you get deplatformed from Vimeo, you, you pay them regularly uh, every month for seven years, and then suddenly they just say your account's canceled. Okay. No, no explanation for it, and then all this massive uh, censorship. I thought um, we'd probably better go six nights a week on on radio and talk about it while we can. So, while it is a way to make a living, the more important thing is that I would certainly like to think that very few, if any, are able to talk with the people that uh, I'm privileged to speak with about the things we speak with, and so. That's that's Caravan to Midnight. It's uh, now that we're over the air radio, we just edit everything down commercial free and put that in archive. And and then if people want it later and they want to continue to support us, then uh, and they become members of the program and they continue to do it. And it's really quite wonderful. So we can keep going and we can keep deprogramming. Uh, we've both been toiling in the this arena for a good number of years, and we've we've been talking about. A new world order or, a, or agenda 21 or the rise of totalitarianism a coming persecution of christians uh, i mean that that you know 20 years ago we were talking about some something on the on the horizon and truth be told a, a, a good part of me maybe this is just normalcy bias didn't really buy into it um and now it's here winter is here when when you see this dystopian nightmare unfolding do you ever despair are you fearful no i'm really not only because you know you mentioned game of thrones i didn't watch it when it was current uh, you know because it would have been agonizing to wait another week for another episode don't you agree so what i do sometimes oh, yes. if i see something good i just go do something else until i've got a bunch to binge on and now we just uh, my wife and i just watch them continuously uh, all the way through from first season to last 
And uh, that's what this really is. As you mentioned, is it's a big game of thrones but i remember uh, there is one thing that bailey said that i thought was very interesting and it's that everyone is your friend everyone is your enemy everything is all happening at once and i would just take it and he says so that no matter what you encounter you've already seen it this has kind of been um i'm not going to say i went around you know zombified thinking about conspiracy theories all the time but they were never very far from my mind and as you have discovered in your own career, it turns out we're the conspiracy theories who just happen to be right. So I would say that after the years that you've put into it and after the years that I've put into it, we really are able to see most, most of it that's going to impact us in the immediate and in the eminent, not going to say long term, but the, the, the mid-range term. We see these things now in our imagination. Then when we see them come to contribute more to the dystopian reality we appear to be living, it's not so dystopian for me or you, I suspect, because we've already seen it. We've already seen it in our imaginations. We knew, we know two things, human nature and that Oscar Wilde thing. The one thing that human beings cannot resist is temptation. And we know that if you give these people powerful toys to play with, they're going to play with them. Just like the little boys, we build our model airplanes and set up our army men and all our little buildings there and our little tanks and things, set them up so meticulously. And then what do we do? We blow them all up, you know, firecrackers or dirt clods or whatever you got. Now, if, now if, if you and your friends didn't do that, then that must mean that I'm in an extraordinarily redneck part of the world, and that is exclusive to Texas, but I don't think so. <laughs> we always Let me ask you. We can tear down. That's part of the delight, I think, with the, the duality of man. We, we create and we destroy, and, and the destruction of things to, to some who are not going to be immediately victimized by this, you know, blood and guts. Um, they enjoy tearing it down just as much as they enjoyed building it up. It's just another challenge and another, another chance at greatness in their megalomania. And Does it feel different really though to you this time? Is yeah. or, or is this just you know nothing new under the sun? It's just uh, uh, history doesn't repeat. It echoes, or it rhymes, I suppose, as Twain said. Uh, but, but this is just you know here we go again. Or or is it different this time? It feels different to me. This there seems to be kind of a. I don't know, something, dare I say, biblical about it, prophetic. I think it is biblical, absolutely, positively. In fact, I could, I could tell you a bunch of things now that would convince you and your audience that I was completely raving mad, but I'm, but I'm not, because many of, much of it has been, has been witnessed. It is, uh, it's true. I like to say that old Bible's pretty hard to beat, but when Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun, is there anything you can say, see, this is new? Nope, it has always been from ancient times. It's just the same stuff. The paint jobs are different and the weapons are different, but human nature is still the same. There's still Ten Commandments and still seven deadly sins, not, not six or eight, and not uh, nine or eleven commandments. It's just how it is. It's the perfect book for living. It's the perfect guide for living. But many people are jaded on Scripture because they they feel like, well, there's so many different versions of the Bible. It's been changed so much over the years. But I would only say to them, if it is, in fact, divinely inspired, and I believe that it is, then the divine is not going to allow it to be tampered with very much. One way or another, the, the truth will be revealed, despite the fact that we don't even speak in the, in the same uh, style of English that we used to even 30 years ago. 
it's uh, degenerated now. Things like Ebonics are encouraged and identified as, oh, no, 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 this is actually the only authentic language. And I've known ever since I was a little kid that uh, this may not be the end of the world, but it's most assuredly the end of the age. And the thing that's mm -hmm. different about this now, Richard, to me, is that we just walked right into it. We were warned. We talked about it. We saw films about it. We read books about it. We heard uh, many presidents warn of this. And what did we do? Well, we walked right into it anyway. Just like Bluto said in the Animal House, you screwed up. You trusted us. And we right. did it. That's that normalcy bias, I think. Uh, the the roof, is, so, yeah. roof is caving in, and we convince ourselves, no, there's just some mice scurrying around in the attic. Um, I, I want to ask you about the uh, uh, about Klaus Schwab and the the Davos agenda, and there is this virtual summit that's happening right now, uh, hosted by the World Economic Forum. It may be just wrapping up. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's hard to to say. Anybody, there's nobody in the media really that seems very interested in reporting on it. But our our health minister, our federal health minister, uh, took part in a closed door session and was asked by one of uh, our news outlets to provide a transcript of what was discussed or what she said, and and um, she refused. So I, what do you think is 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 going on inside these gatherings with Klaus and company? I'm, I'm betting they're not playing canasta. No, they're not. See, the, the thing is, it, it's... Always something sinister is suggested uh, just from the secrecy alone, but when you consider the facts, what they're talking about and, and what they're telling us we must do, I mean, these are just people that uh, belong to that club that we're, we'll never be members of, and, uh, and they want to rule the world. That's all. I don't... Maybe they know of realms beyond our uh, what we call even outer space. Maybe they, uh, maybe they're privy to information about activities at CERN that, and they can just st step into a module and go time travel somewhere. I don't know. Nothing much would surprise me. I doubt it, but it wouldn't totally surprise me. It's just that it seems that people are compelled to walk whatever line has been designated as their line. I'm not sure that these people up at Davos and their virtual meeting, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that they ever planned to be uh, sinister, totalitarian members of an elite regime that would subjugate all the people on the face of the earth. I'm not sure. Maybe what it is is they just waited for the next stepping stone to appear in front of them. And they uh, stepped on it and waited for the next one. And everything that they did, however regrettable, led them to where they are now and, and put them together with the people that they're with now. Uh, clearly, I don't know. But if God can see the end from the beginning, then that means that all of this is a plan. And while most people believe that, well, God's made it all about him, he's actually made it all about us. So that it's up to us. He knows what we're going to do before we do it, but we don't. So this is in, in furtherance of b building our character, not just for this world, but for the next. I mean, there's been so much paranormal, uh, so much reporting about paranormal and, and unusual things that simply cannot be explained. I've experienced much of it, a lot of it in my own life um, over the last three or four years that I'm almost jaded with it. When something happens, it doesn't alarm me or mystify me or fill me with wonder. It's like it's business as usual. Weird stuff happens all the time. So I believe people have limited their their horizon line to just 
well, just the horizon line, and there's so much more beyond the horizon. Well, by the time you get to the horizon line, there's another horizon. Well, that's right. Isn't that a good thing? So there is no actual end to this until the end of time. And at the end of time, you're just there. I mean, that's that's where the spirit world dwells pretty much. The, the, uh, it sounds like you're in a, a good place, John, with with your faith. That's a. It sounds like you're in a really grounded, fearless uh, place. Well, I think that I am. I'm not going to say that I'm I'm this um, brave knight in shining armor just going out there against the forces of evil. It's like I know exactly who sent me here. And I know exactly what my limitations are as a person, but I also know that if you tap into that divine power, you can do things that you would not believe. And it's not magic, it's not witchcraft, it's not anything, it's trust. It's the same purity of trust that a little baby has when you're holding that baby and it, it, it doesn't even, it's not even the last thing on, it, on that baby's mind that you may drop it. I say it well, because you don't know if it's a he or she, the baby. The baby doesn't have any idea that you would drop it, that it is not in any peril whatsoever. It looks up at you, it looks you right in the eyes, and completely trusts you. If people can allow themselves to trust the one who sent them here, it will awaken things in them they have no idea are there. And it sounds like a bunch of hooey, but I've lived it because when I was in the rock and roll game, Richard, I was the wildest thing they'd ever seen before or since. Been snatched from the jaws of certain destruction repeatedly. And that whole thing, all the trouble that somebody went to, to see to it that I didn't get X'd out decades ago, if, if the sole purpose is to reach one person and tell them, you are most assuredly not alone. And if you'll allow yourself to believe it, then you'll see it. But if you're waiting to see it, you may never believe it. You have to believe might- first, then you'll see it. Sorry. That's right. Uh, no, I was just going to say that one person may be listening tonight. Uh, believing is seeing. We'll, uh, we'll take a quick time out, John, come back, and uh, much to discuss in uh, the time that remains. John B. Wells, formerly Coast to Coast AM, Caravan to Midnight, Arc Midnight, terrific voice actor. You may have heard his uh, wonderful voice in those uh, deadliest catch promos, much more. Great career and uh, great storyteller. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To reach Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Just a quick programming note. We will uh, delve into uh, reclaiming your uh, privacy in the digital age in the second hour. Right now, John B. Wells stays with us. Uh, this is one of those quotes that's often misquoted and 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 attributed to the wrong person. I don't I've sort of lost the thread. I don't know who even said it now and that is when fascism comes to America it will become it'll come disguised as liberalism. I've heard it attributed to Reagan and others. Uh, I think the original quote is is quite different. It's um when fascism comes to America it'll be wrapped in a flag carrying a cross, but the uh, the idea that it'll it'll I mean that's that certainly seem seems to be happening. It, it 
fascism is coming to America or tyranny, uh, but in the guise of of tolerance and social justice. Um, wh- how did that happen, John? How did that happen? Education. It it really uh, it, it really has to do with the education. The uh, the books that are that had held us in good stead for such a long time are being discarded, and actual education is being supplanted by um, this uh, mythical concept of social justice. And uh, this is like what Solzhenitsyn said. You know, people come into the world with different capacities. If they're free, they're they're not equal. And if they're equal, they're not free. And, and that is a perfectly stated and uh, very memorable axiom. And that's that's what we have now. I mean, I think it was Joe Stalin himself said, you give me a child for eight years, I'll give you a lifelong communist. And, and that's what we have now. You know, that's what, that's what disagreed with my former uh, uh, employer was that I've mentioned several times that you're witnessing the resurgence of global communism. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. And uh, nobody really wanted to hear that. So I guess because <laughs> I guess because it was true. But education and, and look like just like the rap music. When the rap music first started, it was about succeeding and making money and having a good life. Then it turned into cop killer this and and all this you know abusive stuff directed against the women and so forth and. Uh, all of these mechanisms for control come about from seemingly benign beginnings. I mean, just like with the, uh, let's take QAnon, for example, there is a Q, but there's only one Q, the QAnons. Now, they analyze, and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong, but do we really think that, that a channel like that could be established and nobody would think to get into it and... Uh, perverted and twisted and confused things and discredited in some way. Of course they would. That's that's what they do. So anything that they can weaponize, thank you, anything that they can weaponize, they will, and they do. And so we have, we have walked right into fascism. But again, communism, fascism, socialism, socialism is really the lightest one, but Vlad Lenin said you can't get to communism without going to socialism first. Okay. Back in those right. I think Ayn Rand said that the communism is murder and socialism is suicide. Yeah, that's well put too. Um, peace, bread, and land—that was uh, that was Vlad Lenin's carrying call. So it's just the same old hash rehashed. I don't—I really don't know what it is in human nature that makes them do what they do. But but it just seems to be they just seem to be perhaps it's that it's the human experience equivalent of chaotic math theory, where in order to keep any progress even possible in in the realm of the future, it's necessary to mess up a bunch of things that seemed like they were running pretty well for now. I mean maybe maybe things stagnate. I wish I did have the, have the answers to these things, but. But I, but I don't. I, I just observe and, uh, and and make note of it. But then you find out that the, all of these families in Europe, Hitler, Churchill, everybody's connected. Somebody blows a whistle, they disappear. Somebody talks about the CIA uh, converting all this voluminous quantities of cocaine, powder cocaine, into crack and dumping it in South Central L.A. And that reporter gets whacked out. And it's obvious that it was a murder, but they rule it as suicide and, and publicly state it as a way of subliminally telling us 
we can do pretty much whatever we need to to protect our position. So everybody knows this. And um, so the question is, what are what can we do about it? And the answer is, well, we think of of ourselves in 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 the terms of we as a whole big crowd of people marching toward the palace and so forth. But this time, this is true asymmetrical warfare against a totalitarian, a totalitarian takeover of our free republic. Now, people can go into great detail and say how, how unfree it is, but it's a lot freer than a lot of other, uh, other countries in the world, so it just depends on what you're comparing it to. Yes, there are loads of restrictions in this country, but by and large, people are permitted to do what they want in furtherance of prospering themselves and having a pleasant life, which is about all there is to win down here on this planet anyways, just be happy for a while. But I don't know, Richard, maybe they get bored and they just decide... It's either the fight between good and evil, or we've got some really bored people out there that just decide that the, the, the best amusement is tearing down a perfectly stable society and supplanting it with an experimental one that so far every experiment conducted like like this, like socialism or communism, has failed miserably and, and produced nothing but the misery. But they still want to I, I think a lot of I think they recruit a lot of people that are and you alluded to this earlier, well meaning. Uh, they they're nice, but they're not good. And um, was it uh, what was it? Uh, C.S. Lewis said about like the worst form of tyrannies is the one that's uh, exercised supposedly for the good of its victims. Um, and yeah, and uh, I think that's what we're living under now. I think a lot of people on the left, uh, so-called social justice warriors, are well intended, all you know, but horribly misguided. Well, I think they must be. I was just watching a special on uh, Thomas Sowell, who uh, started off his life, a North Carolina guy, and, and he became a brilliant scholar and a professor and so forth. And and he was a Marxist originally, but as he began to actually think about it, he realized this is definitely not the way to go. And then he began to study, and he went, oh, absolutely, this is not the way to go. And he spoke out against it uh, from that point of discovery onward. But people experiment with all kinds of, of ridiculous ideas, but there is some definite social engineering and, and social psychology, a weaponized psychology, trying to disable the individual and make that individual part of the collective. This is something that Patrick McGowan warned in his Prisoner series back in 1968. Yes. I think the Brits got it in 67. But, man, did he ever hit the nail on the head or what? Everything. Mm. The, the drugs, the mind control, you must be mutual. You don't want to stand out. Just keep a low profile. You're just a number. Isn't that much better than having a name that you can resent? You're just a number. Everything's fine. And when you think about it, what's more individual than a number, right? Well, you're right, not a number. Right. You're a person. <laughs> and and the, the enemy is self-reliance. And the uh, they demand conformity, compliance. Um, this... You mentioned, you know, this starts with in the schools and so forth. I agree. And but they've had like a half century head start. So what 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 is a, a remedy? Do we I mean, it's going to be a long, a long, long march. Do we start by homeschooling, taking that? You know, that used to be a, a parental obligation. How we ever seeded the education of our children to the state. Maybe that was mistake number one, but uh, is is that how we 
we turn things around this is this huge vessel it'll you know it'll take decades perhaps but is that how we begin homeschooling I think there are a lot of people in the audience who may not want to hear my true opinion on this, Richard, but I'm going to give it to them anyway. Please. If we don't return to an acknowledgement that we have no idea where we came from or who sent us here, that we have no concept whatsoever of what be- lies beyond what we call outer space, as long as we can look at up into the sky and see all of those stars and planets and so forth and then think, okay, let's say they weren't there anymore. Well, then where is that? void of nothingness up there and what was there before it and who put it there if as long as we cannot answer these questions it's nothing but arrogance in the extreme to just presume that there is no creator you remember we went through this nonsense about uh well we just don't see uh we don't see any intelligent design remember the big intelligent design mantra that they were popping off with oh yes everywhere i look i see intelligent design from a leaf to a solar system. I mean, what are these people talking about? And some of them, I think that they, uh, I don't think that they have been exposed through their families. Look, I don't mean just talk continuously, but, but let me run this past you real quick. If you go back enough generations, we will find that as far as, and it is, it is, it is race based in this way. But we are Caucasians, for example. We are related in some tiny way to every other Caucasian. In Russia, where the features begin to change in far eastern Russia, you'll see that there's a, there's a little Asian cross over there. So in the end, after enough millennia and, and enough generations, we literally all are brothers and sisters, which suggests, okay, so that's how we were born into... What they call what is called sin. All right, fine. Well, if we really are all brothers and sisters, then who's the father and the mother? Who sent us here? And why do we why do we cling to this proposition that we're better off not acknowledging that we have any accountability whatsoever to anything other than each other, and then treat each other the way that we do? I don't think we're going to get much traction in correcting the ills of the world until we decide that getting on our knees and praying is not about bowing down before an almighty God who will smash you if you don't do this. It's about you. It's about your willingness to submit yourself and say, I really don't know uh, much about anything in the broad strokes. I look, up, I look at your creation, and I'm prepared to just show some respect. It's not about... God makes it about us when we do that. If we all right, John, we'll take another. Let go. Apologies. You know, we'll, uh, okay, okay, we'll take another quick. I've got to let go, go here and get that's into it. That's why I'm in the top. That's all right, there's Richard, because I can't shut up. Go <laughs> that's why we brought John. John, uh, sit tight. We'll be back in a moment. John B. Wells, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. At least for the time being, you can also uh, say hi on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T, but I am moving over to Gab uh, for now. I feel like a, a bit of a Bedouin. Uh, I'll move over to Gab until they shut that down, and then who knows, I'll pull up stakes and move somewhere else. But you can also find me at Gab, or on Gab, at Richard Serrett. And, uh, of course, we are live streaming on YouTube tonight. The web, the uh, YouTube channel is Strange Planet, and we're moving as well over to Rumble. 
so you it's a little tricky to search. Uh, you've got actually there's a pull down menu. Look for the channel uh, button when you put in that pull down menu channel and then Richard Serrett Strange Planet. That's how you'll find us on Rumble. But we'll just keep moving on down the road <laughs> until there's no, no place else to go. Um, I, you know, every morning I wake up and I read about some new persecution or restriction and I say, what fresh hell is this? Uh, John B. Wells is with us. And John, we were talking earlier. I, I, th- I think you're ha- absolutely right. We, we're, we're looking for political solutions to what are essentially spiritual problems. And I, I do look at what is going on now as spiritual warfare. I do want to talk a little bit about what's happening in Washington, D.C., uh, the city looks like it's under a military occupation, and uh, I just I want to get your thoughts on on that. I mean that that um, that must be just very troubling to be to, to to witness that as an American. It is. There seems to be a, a really strange uh, atmosphere all around us now. Of um, I, I don't really even know how to quite how to describe it, but we're getting a lot of uh, conflicting information. Uh, I mean, just 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 based on what we've seen, you know, okay, storming the Capitol. Oh, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol. No, they didn't. BLM and Antifa was all over the place, and they were led in by Capitol uh, Police on one end of the building, and on the other end of the building, they're fighting with them. And then uh, Special Operations General McInerney was on uh, Caravan to Midnight Radio a uh, week before last. And uh, he said Special Operations got uh, Pelosi's laptop and a couple other laptops up there. And the next thing we see in the press is that some woman went in there and stole it and was trying to sell it to the Russians. I mean, to me, this is the most feeble attempt to keep the Russian narrative going. I think there are huge things going on behind the scenes. And and this thing in Washington, D.C., with the... You know, with the bolts on the fence on the outside, as if they want to keep people in rather than out, that got everybody's attention. But there's a lot of misinformation out there, as you know, just like this uh, this fellow Austin, who was uh, a possible pick for Secretary of Defense, General Austin. The only place that I saw him say the United States was going to turn their security over to, to the Chinese military was in this one meme. I didn't see that anywhere else. So I don't know if he said this or not. But I believe that the, uh, I believe there are a bunch of people who are in a lot of trouble. Listen, this election was clearly stolen. I'm, I'm sorry if that hurt some people's feelings, but it's, it's obvious. When you have this many irregularities, when you have this many additional votes just in the state of Georgia and less than half of new people coming into the country or coming into the, to the state, well, that suggests that uh, you're, you're padding the uh, figures a little bit there. So I'm thinking that what really happened is that they were so desperate because Trump's wise to President Trump's wise to everything that's uh, that's going on up there. He's got some really good people around him still. They had to go on. I believe that they had to go on and let this crime play out completely and let everybody reveal themselves. I mean, this is what we pray for. Uh, if this, whether or not this happens, I guess we'll just have to do that Zen Master thing and wait and see. But. But it appears that there are some people in some very, very serious trouble. I mean, there's no reason to ever connect a voting machine to the Internet for any reason. And you've got the Italians involved with Leonardo SPA. You've got the Germans involved. And you got a raid on a server farm in, in Germany. And first story was that Gina Haspel, the CIA director, was uh, injured. The next report was that she was deceased. And the next report is that she's resigning. And then you see all this video coming out of uh, Washington, D.C., featuring uh, this titular 
president-elect. And you see all these video anomalies that suggest that this is not even real. You know, Richard, years and years ago, I told people that Bob down the street there, because of the digitalization of everything, Bob down the street is not even going to be getting the same news as Steve and Tom up the street. And that the people that you see doing the news presenting will not be people at all. They will be computer simulations of people designed based on the results from various focus groups and so forth. So everything that we see is deception and illusion, which produces delusion, delusional uh, aspects in our, our thinking processes. So the easiest way to say well, it is this way. There's yeah, a lot of false hope. There's a lot of false hope that's being funneled, I think, through people like General Flynn and maybe McInerney. I think they're well-intentioned individuals. I think they're patriots. But do you think, to a certain extent, they're being, they're being used? I, I think that that is a, a possibility. It, it all, these things are always a possibility, but I don't think that at this time. Now, something could nag at you and say, you know, they sure are coming at it uh, at this problem hard. They're coming at it with such enthusiasm, they're not even being careful about it. Uh, maybe they're part of the cabal or something. Maybe they're part of the deception. Then on the other hand, you get to know these people, and you realize they're just fire-breathing dragons, and they'll say what they mean and mean what they say. John, this is a short segment. I'm uh, pardon the interruption. We're going to take a quick time out. I know you had another point, and I uh, I kind of jumped in there and interrupted. But I'll, I'll let you get to that. We'll uh, continue this conversation with the great John B. Wells when the conspiracy show continues. Stay with us. Big Brother is listening, and so are you, to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Caravan to Midnight and Arc Midnight, caravantomidnight.com. John B. Wells is uh, with us. And, John, I, I sort of derailed your uh, your train of thought there. We, we were talking about the military or the National Guard presence in Washington, D.C., and you had something you wanted to sort of sum that up. I don't know if I've I've sort of destroyed that thread for you or not, no, but not uh, if, if not so, we can move on. I just tend to go on with these answers, Richard, but uh, the, the thing is, is that there's a lot of military activity generally. We know that uh, the Chinese troops either were or perhaps still are across our northern border, and we suspect strongly that there's a bunch of them. I keep hearing the same number over and over again, which suggests it's becoming urban legend rather than actual fact. But there are two big Indian reservations, Native American reservations there, where Arizona, California, and Mexico meet, and they all share borders, and, and this reservation straddles all of those those places, and another one in New Mexico. So those are ingress points. And I keep thinking, what's the least likely thing that anybody would ever imagine could happen to the U.S., and that would be a land invasion. But but maybe because it's the least likely thing in most people's minds, maybe it's the most likely thing they would they would try. Let me finish up on this. I'll, I'll be very brief on this race thing. A guy in uh, Russia falls in love with a girl from Nepal. They just wind up together, or maybe a Chinese lady. And then they immigrate to Eastern Europe somewhere, Bulgaria somewhere, and they have kids. And then maybe they go to Germany and then one over the U.K., you know, and, and one of the girls or one of the guys, you know, marries, marries a black person. So by the time these generations have rolled on and on and on, and the children and the generations, and, and the we're related to everybody. We've probably got some Eskimo in us, you know. So I believe mm -hmm. that it's really important for people to understand 
We are all brothers and sisters. This is why we shed tears for people that we don't know. And if we'll just be brothers and sisters in the spirit, in the spirit of Father God's Christ, we are We've got we've got our card. We've got our ID card, so to speak. This is the spiritual ID card that just says we understand who we are. We also understand that we don't understand everything, but we're willing to learn. We know we were sent here. We didn't spontaneously just appear. So give us guidance. Give us purpose. And that way, when we think like that, then when we pray, we are a force multiplier. And it's written in Scripture. If you if you'll stop doing what you're doing that's bad for you and you will repent meaning feel bad about it and don't do it anymore and you'll pray to me i'll hear you and i'll heal your land failing intervention by god himself this could be a really rough run for the next 20 years maybe even the next 50 years and back to the bloodlines these people that run the world are very persnickety if you will about maintaining their bloodlines and all this stuff about child sacrifice and ritual murders and all this other we all know very well this stuff is true we know that weird stuff happens down in the poor part of town but we know that the very weirdest stuff in the world happens in the in the house up on the hill that's where the really weird stuff goes goes on because they're insulated they can they can buy people look at all these people who have compromised their very their integrity they've compromised their character by taking money from the communist chinese who in their right mind would take money from the communist chinese knowing that they are a devoted enemy of this country they get seduced by things they get seduced by money they get seduced by power and and access to women all these things that they they dreamed somebody had but they could never have now here's their opportunity to have it and they jump at it it's just human nature it's it's just temptation it's the enemy it's the destroyer of life the devil doesn't well, Epstein is is the, is the tippy tip of the iceberg there's no question and it'll be interesting to see what uh uh, Ghislaine Maxwell is allowed to uh, to say what she's allowed to reveal, and and um, who knows? You know what? I, I suspect that people that we we love and admire are are going to be uh, uh, implicated before it is all said and done. Uh, just in a few minutes that remain, I wanted to get to this because I know you're in in Texas and um, in Dallas. Uh, I'm hearing rumblings about secession. There's been legislation introduced in your state legislator, legislature uh, that would allow for a vote, whether it passes or not. I don't know. What are your feelings? Some, some are saying that, that secession with Texas is inevitable. Well, Richard, I think that secession is a really bad idea. I was talking with Paul Preston last night, and they've got some real traction going on this new California state which would take up approximately 90% of the state, and they may actually get this done this year uh, based on a, a constitutional provision that goes back to the 1840s. But I think secession in, of, of Texas from the Union is a real long shot, and I think it would be an extraordinarily bad idea uh, simply because it makes us weaker. Uh, if, if we're either a union or we're a disunion, and if we're a disunion, if you want to add another state, okay, that's one thing. And let them do what they want. I mean, just because things went on in uh, Minneapolis doesn't mean I'll never do any business with uh, anybody in uh, in Minnesota. Uh, the My Pillow guy, I talked to him on the program a couple of weeks ago. He's a nice guy and he's doing well. And uh, they're trying to punish him for having conservative, let alone conservative Christian views. So 
just a wrap, put it, just put it in a box and tie a bow around it. When you have so many of these forces, such as the big tech people that we we messed up and we trusted them, they track us, they harvest our data, they do all these things, and then they tell us we cannot express our opinions. This is not a good sign at all. And then when you find out the affiliations they have with totalitarian regimes, this is an even worse sign. So I think it is incumbent upon us to decide we are human beings, and we are not going to go into a controlled state like this. And they'll come at us with everything they can. They'll come at us with tech and this ridiculous vaccine and this ridiculous virus and all this nonsense. They will never stop trying to subjugate the world. But the idea is if you can't eliminate these people, then you just have to quarantine them and simply do not participate. They, they have no power over a populace that will not comply with their demands. And so we're either going to have to decide we have some guts and we're going to stand up for liberty, or we don't have any guts and we'll go willingly into, a, into what is effectively slavery. And then who are we going to ask for reparations later? There won't be anybody mm-hmm. to ask. Well, what is that tipping point? Uh, because, um, you know, violence is never the answer except, well, it was in 1776. At a certain point, um, you know, short of short of seceding and saying these people won't leave us alone, therefore we're getting out. You know, wh- what is the tipping point going to be? Is it going to be an attempt to force vaccinations? Is it going to be repealing the Second Amendment or an attempt, you know, packing the courts, repealing uh, the Second Amendment? What What is the tipping point, do you think? How much at, at what point will America say you no longer have the consent of the governed? I believe that in the uh, yeah, those are components. A, uh, a financial collapse, just like Klaus Schwab. You mentioned him. In ten years, you will own nothing, and you'll be much happier. And the Pope saying, "Oh yeah, communism is really kind of a good thing," and mm-hmm, all of this stuff. I believe the tipping point is going to be if this voter, this this election fraud, is allowed to stand. Because I, I don't know about um, I don't know about other people, but I, I know that I'm not going to comply with a single unconstitutional order demand law, mandate, or anything else. I'm just not going to do it. And they say, well, you have to, or you, or, or what? You know, if, I, if I'm just one guy out there saying, I'm not going to wear this stupid mask, it doesn't do anything anyway. Um, well, that's fine. But if there are 100 million people saying, you know what, we're not doing this. We see you for what, for what you are. We know what you're trying to do. I mean, magically, Richard, all of the influenza cases, the seasonal influenza cases, just just disappeared in San Diego, California. The medical experts were mystified. No excess deaths anywhere. No excess deaths. Yeah, and and guys like Andrew Cuomo, he's just a thug. I mean, you can tell by listening to him talk for a minute. Uh, He he doesn't care about those old people that he uh, sends to death. And the other part is this. It's all a, a big propaganda push. Just like, oh, the world's overpopulated. Really? Well, birth rates are dropping all over the world. Uh, the Russians had to declare them. Putin, years ago, a few years ago, wanted to, he declared a national lovemaking day. It was like, for Pete's sake, make some babies. We were running out of Russians. <laughs> so uh, these people are crazy. And, and the thing is, I go, and I go back to spiritual level. I mean, uh, you remember when uh, Jesus was talking to the insane person who was possessed? And, and uh, he yes. goes, who are you? And he said, we are legion. Well, there are people that have those hooks, the enemy's hooks in them so deep, they don't think the way you do. They don't think the way I do, or or members of your audience. They don't think this way. 
if we, if we were to be able to read their thoughts, we would be horrified at the things that they think. They regard a baby as not many of them regard a, a, a little baby who could grow up to be the next Michelangelo uh, as just nothing more than a protoplasmic blob that's, uh, that is representative of the Creator, and we would like to desecrate this. They're nuts. They're crazy. Satan is crazy. He's nuts. He's, he's a megalomaniac. He thinks he can kill God. The clues have all been left behind for us. If we don't want to pick them up and look at it and, and form some, some opinions and make some decisions, well, that's on us. But as long as we're here, I think we better look more deeply into the meaning of our being here, even if we can't see it because we're basing the value of our lives on what we have by way of material possessions or the size of our bank account or something. That's not what this journey is about. It's not about stuff. It's about spirit. John, very quickly, how do we uh, how do we listen to Caravan to Midnight and Ark Midnight? Well, we go over the air Monday through Friday from uh, nine until eleven uh, until eleven uh, Central Time, and then Saturday from nine to midnight. And you can pick it up on Talk Stream Live, or you can just go to Ark Midnight, or, or really the master site. Is God made it suitably confusing for everybody? Because I thought I was only <laughs> going to do one show per week, but now I'm doing six nights a week. Just go to CaravanToMidnight.com, and you can get to the radio program. You can get to our CTM store. You can get to everything from there, and and it's easy to pick up a stream and listen. And the, the archive is there because sometimes these radio stations so run a game or something instead of running us and that's fine but uh the, the program is preserved for anybody who wants to hear it and we've got some great people on there I'd like to get you on sometime i, I would love it john it's a real pleasure i'm i'm sorry we left it so late i want to i'd love to have you on again a, a real pleasure meeting you finally well it's very nice to meet you too and i thank you very much you've been very gracious and uh, and uh, tolerant of my speeches <laughs> <laughs> thanks again john have a good night you too All right, reclaiming your privacy in the digital age when Conspiracy Show returns. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' well-appointed rec room with the simulated wood paneling, electric fireplace, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. That was a lot of fun with uh, John B. Wells. I hope you were able to join us for that hour and uh, definitely would love to have that cat back on. Uh, Carlos Kajina is the technical producer. Ryan White is the live stream producer. And we are live streaming on my YouTube channel, Strange Planet. Don't forget, we now have a a channel on Rumble as well, rumble.com. And again, you've got to search under channel. Once you get onto rumble.com, search under channel, Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. And we've just posted a few videos up there. We're just kind of getting our feet wet. Just in case we have to uh, bug out of YouTube so you can find us on Rumble. Of course, you can still follow me on Twitter at Richard Serrett and uh, also on Gab at Richard Serrett. All right. Uh, In an age of big government and big tech and big data, you need to learn and practice what my guest this hour is about to relate before it's too late. Gabriel Custodiet is author is the author of the recent book, The Watchman Guide to Privacy. 
which explains how to reclaim one's freedom, security, and peace of mind, uh, all in a merciful and focused 200 pages. So what does he reveal about himself is his background in cybersecurity, which led him to research and eventually consult about privacy in the broadest sense possible, financial, physical, legal, etc. But that's only the surface. Gabriel agrees with Aristotle that the how and why are much more important than the what. And for this reason, Gabriel enjoys, above all, helping others to understand the deeper philosophy that undergirds privacy and freedom which he sees as two sides of the same coin. His newsletter and in-progress second book examine the world events and systems that threaten privacy and the individual, and he remains an avid defender of privacy and the authentic living it can foster until his dying breath. Gabriel, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Richard. Uh, a little bit discouraged by the state of the world these days, but you know, as, as Milton said, the mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell, a hell of heaven. Well said, well said. Uh, so privacy does not seem to be a priority with, I've noticed with particularly young younger people, millennials. Uh, it doesn't seem to be something that they, they think a lot about. Why should we be concerned about our privacy? Yeah, here's what I would say. Um, for the people who say that, you know, privacy doesn't matter. Well, first of all, I would say um, you can make that decision for yourself, but don't make it for me. I'll make my own decision. Um, but I also think these people are lying, right? Um, you know, I would say to the person, give me your email address. I know a couple people who can destroy your life, get into your accounts, wipe out your finances, send unforgivable un unforgivable messages to your loved ones. You know, of course, there are things that you know, people don't want revealed. Um, and, you know, let me just give you a few examples. So maybe you're gay and you live in one of 11 countries where you can receive the death penalty for being gay. And maybe you use Facebook, which can out you in just a few clicks, right? Maybe you're a political dissident. I think we're all political dissidents, right? Did you hear uh, John Brennan come out and say that libertarians are extremists? So you have American politicians using words like insurrection. It's astonishing. Um, but that's government for you. It changes overnight, as do laws. And so that's partly why governments, by some statistics, killed 270 million people in the 20th century. Um, either it's doing that or imprisoning people thanks to fascistic private prisons and innumerable laws. It's estimated that Americans break three federal laws each day. You can look it up. There's an excellent entire book about it. And one in 20 Americans will spend time in prison, many for nonviolent crimes. That's an entire 5% of the population. But then you get, of course, to the what I call the legal industrial complex, where lawyers practice extended liability. So in other words, if they can find out your assets, if you haven't kept them private, um, then they can choose to sue you and wipe you out if they deem it's worthy of their time. So, you know, why is privacy important? Here's another statistic. Uh, Facebook is mentioned in more than one third of all divorce hearings. So I think statistics like that speak for themselves. Wow. And, you know, yeah, uh, no, and, I'm just, you know, that's amazing. That's an amazing statistic. <laughs> all right. Absolutely. And, you know, lack of privacy can also cost you money. Right. Websites will charge you sometimes higher prices if they see you as a repeat customer or you visited before or they see you using a MacBook or coming from a wealthy zip code. They might up the price. 
And of course, search engines such as Google filter your information about the world based on your past search results, your location, your perceived politics. You're literally depriving yourself from any possibility of objective knowledge by not preserving preserving your online privacy. Um, and you know, I, I could talk more about people who have been swatted, right, killed by SWAT teams from somebody who didn't like them online and found their IP address or address via social media. You know, one example happened in 2017 in in Kansas. You know, I could talk about how these days politics in the West is what people are willing to kill for. And by revealing your politics, you can have your online businesses, your bank accounts, your life snuffed out. I mean, you know, privacy doesn't matter, come on. That's so true, that's so true. There's a, a, a fascinating um, passage in the book. You write that former Google CEO, Eric Schmidt, once estimated that five exabytes of information had been created by humans between the dawn of civilization through 2003 okay so five exabytes from the beginning or the dawn of civilization through 2003 as of 2003 schmidt claims that much information was being created every two days 17 years later we are pumping out even more data and all of it reveals something about ourselves so you say the first privacy lesson is a negative one teach yourself to stop giving out your data. Uh, but, but some might, some people might say, well, it's too late. It's, you know, the, the whole, the horse has bolted the barn that it's out there. I can't get it back. What do you say to that? Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic to that viewpoint. And it is true that once something is online, it's basically backed up in the servers of these companies moving forward. But, you know, there are all kinds of threat models. So maybe you delete something from Facebook and Facebook still retains it, and the government can still, and policing agencies can theoretically still have access to it, um, but you're protecting it from somebody else, some private investigator. So there's all kinds of threats out there. And by simply stopping your giving away your information, you are you know, cutting, off, cutting off the source and you know, narrowing your data, narrowing the amount of people who have your data. So I, I kind of take you know, Jean-Paul Sartre's stance on this. He says, it's never too late to make yourself out of what you've been made into. And so it's just a matter of stopping the flow and working with what you have at that point. You say that you should be very hesitant to surrender the following data, except potentially to government types who can punish you for withholding it. So here's the list of things that you should be very hesitant to surrender. And I think people will be surprised by some of these. You should, you should be very hesitant to surrender your real full name your identification for anything more than quick age verification, state or county ID number, home address, primary email address, real phone number, credit card or other payment information. So it, how do you handle that when 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 you go in, someone asks you, you know, for your full name? I don't know. Let's say you're, you're applying for um, a, a card some sort of a card in a, in a store, a, um, a loyalty card, and they want your name and your, your information. What do you do? Right. Well, in, in the case of a loyalty card at a store, that's not, that's not a huge deal, right? That's not something where if you were to give them a fake name, you're breaking the law, I would imagine, in most cases. So in that case, you know, I would, I would give them a fake name. And if they you know, want a CID or something, I'd probably say that you know, I, I don't have it with me or something like that. But 
you know, when I when I gave the when I gave that um, those rules, sure, it's a little bit extreme. And of course, there are cases all the time where we need to give out our real our real information. But I just want people to have a filter so that anytime you are giving out your information to somebody in front of you and you have that um, you know desire to you know comply with what they're saying or online, you just have that filter and that thing in the back of your head that says, wait a second. Why do they want this? Do I really need to give this out? Can I get away with a you know a fake name or a fake piece of information uh, in this case? Is it really that important? And so just have that filter in the back of your head because there's a lot of stuff we give out that we really don't need to. You say we should choose services that don't require information about you. They're called zero knowledge services. Can you give me some examples? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the email services I recommend, and it's a good replacement for Gmail, it's called Proton Mail. And what zero knowledge means, and this is one of these buzzwords, but zero knowledge means that the company themselves cannot access your account. So if you have Gmail, then Google can access your account. They can see everything you're doing, et cetera. If you get locked out of your account, if you forget your password, of course, they can get you back in because they have the keys to the kingdom. Now, with something like ProtonMail, which, by the way, is based in Switzerland, um, if you get locked out of your account, that's it. You're done. Nobody can help you get back in. There are no keys to the kingdom. So it requires some responsibility on your part to remember these things, right? Um, but it's a lot more secure and private in that way. Another example would be um, Bitcoin, right? If you forget your uh, Bitcoin seed phrase, you are locked out forever. But that also means that you are quite protected because nobody else can get into your account. There's no centralized authority that has access to that has access to all these things. And I'll give you one more example: um, the popular private messenger right now, Signal. They are a zero knowledge provider. Um, which means that they themselves also do not have access to your information. Now, we used to give up, we were willing to give up some privacy for security, right? So we allow our, uh, our suitcases to be x-rayed and searched uh, before we get on a plane. That's one thing, giving up privacy for security reasons. To a certain extent, I suppose that's okay. But now it seems like we're giving up privacy for convenience, wouldn't you say? I I would definitely agree with you, Richard. Um, and if you think about all the devices that are put in front of us, you know, you think about the phone, right? The phone, think about the evolution of the computer. You had the computer where you actually had to know code in order to use it. And then it got slimmed down, right? You have Apple that comes in and says, look, you don't have to know all this stuff, you're just going to download this and this and this, you don't have to know what's going on in the background. And then we get to the smartphone, which basically says, press the big shiny button. And that's literally all you have to know. And so we like this convenience. Um, we're losing our ability to understand some of the things in our world as a result. Um, some of the and, <laughs> you know, because of that, we we forget, you know, how powerful and complex these computer systems are. But you're absolutely right. We have Many people have given up their privacy for convenience, um, and it is a mistake that I think we're really going regret, to regret pretty soon here. We, I want to talk about um, censorship and deplatforming just because it, it is so odious and it is going on. Uh, people's lives are being – their livelihoods are being 
uh, destroyed simply for having the wrong opinion. And um, there are people that rely, for example, on uh, on on PayPal, or there are even people that uh, that can no longer do business because they've been uh, canceled by Visa. Um, what can we do about about that censorship and deplatforming? Right. That is, of course, a very pertinent topic. I know that's something that you have been thinking about, um, and understandably so. You know, you you talk about you know oh, controversial yes. things. It's it's not difficult to talk about controversial things uh, these days. Even me, you know, talking about privacy. That's that's a dirty word. And so I also live in fear. You know, I, I'm waiting for Amazon to to you know get rid of that book. You know, I, I already had a an email. They said we're you know we're reviewing your book, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, to I think the language was you know we're we're sort of doing a check to see if it violates our you know terms and services. But so the deplatforming and censorship. So first of all, we have to understand the system, right? Understand what the internet is. So the internet was supposed to be a tool that was free for everybody. We go on there, we communicate, and it's a sort of neutral space. Of course, that's not the case anymore. We have most of the internet is owned by big companies. Um, I think Amazon. Uh, has 45% of the internet's bandwidth in its um, Amazon Web Services, uh, its its servers. So 45% of the internet traffic goes through Amazon's servers, and they're the people who shut down Parler. And so everywhere you go, you are using somebody else's, you are literally, I guess, on somebody else's property, right? And so you go on YouTube, and they can kick you off. Now, before, they wouldn't do that, right? They wouldn't necessarily kick you off. But now we have what some people are calling a digital inquisition, where suddenly somebody is ganged up on and, you know, Apple drops you and then Google drops you and then, you know, your web servers are taken off and you're in serious trouble. And so what can you do? Well, first of all, you know, it's wise to have a website. You know, it's not it's actually very uncommon for people to get kicked off of, you know, a, a server. So have a website and have a backup website and use web servers that are in a different country like Iceland, like Denmark, like Switzerland. And there are some companies that promote free speech and you can find these, I won't give out any names, but you can go and search for these and have a number of them, have a backup plan, right? Be on a podcast. I've not heard of podcasts getting shut down yet. You know, have a newsletter. I've not heard of newsletters getting shut down either. And of course, you know, be, you can be on all the big ones, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, but also beyond the alternatives, right? Parler, when it still existed, BitChute, Library, LBRY, Locals. I heard you're on Rumble. Um, and so it, it's good to diversify, by the way, you know, Rumble. I'm not sure what all these startup tech companies are going to do when you know, they run out of uh, single word nouns in the dictionary. That <laughs> might be the, the, the real tragedy. Um, and then, of course, have multiple ways of accumulating money. Right. Visa and MasterCard and PayPal in the past, they just processed money. Right. Surprise, surprise. They just process money. But now um, and here, here's here's an interesting example, uh, Richard. You know, uh, Alex Jones Infowars was was one of the first people to be shut down by by PayPal. You know, one of the first big people. And I before this show, I went and I looked at their statement about shutting him off, shutting him down, his account, his ability to take money from them. And this is what they said, quote, we found instances that promoted hate and discriminatory intolerance against certain communities and religions. And then they say, we want to ensure that PayPal is not used by anyone as a platform per for perpetuating hate and discriminatory intolerance. Well, Richard, I might add that what they've done, 
I would consider discriminatory intolerance. And you might even argue is perpetuating hate in some way, right? Depending on how you define hate. So of course, it's all hypocrisy. It's all nonsense. It's all a power grab, right? And so a different way of accumulating money, of course, you know, get as many bank accounts as you can, try to get a bank account offshore, be on Patreon, have sponsors, uh, take cryptocurrencies on your website. Um, and then ultimately, we need to start to create our own systems um, and, you know, have some of this control back in our own hands. All right, uh, Gabriel, we are um, well, we've got a couple minutes here before the uh, the break. Gabriel Custodiat is my guest, the author of The Watchman Guide to Privacy. And um, uh, we were talking about uh, censorship deplatforming. What about maintaining let's start this conversation now and we'll we'll get into it a little bit and then continue after the break which is coming up in a couple minutes but privacy during uh, covid lock lockdowns people um some people are going to go and visit with an elderly parent because quite frankly uh i think it's the right thing to do this you know the isolation and again i'm saying you know mitigate risk i'm not saying be reckless but you know we have neighbors now that are being encouraged to spy on other neighbors. Uh, so what can you tell us about maintaining privacy during co the COVID lockdowns? Right, and you know, I, I read about this, you can, you maybe heard about this. What, wasn't there a lady maybe in Canada who um, decided to have assisted suicide because she, she couldn't take the isolation? Do you, do you remember it's, this? Yes, it's happening. It is happening around uh, the world, I understand. It's, it's, right. so, it's, it's heartbreaking. Exactly, so you know, all this, you know, we're, we're helping the old people. Okay, right. You know, um, well, you know, th there's a pandemic going on out there for sure. And it's a pandemic of government overreach and technological medical tyranny, right? So I'm eager to do my part in, you know, helping people stay stay private during these times. Um, and let's be honest, right? These are simply the auger of even worse things to come in the next decade. So, you know, a lot of my privacy advice that I talk about in you know the Watchman Guide sort of doubles as advice for these times. Uh, but there are a few things that we could focus on, um, and maybe I'll save that for after the break, or do we have a few seconds? No, let's uh, let's do that on the other side. Gabriel Custodiat, the author of The Watchman Guide to Privacy, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us more in a moment. PIN numbers, passcodes, social insurance numbers. If they make you wonder how private they are, here's two more numbers. 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Gabriel Custody at the Watchman Guide to Privacy. And uh, we were talking about uh, privacy during COVID lockdowns. And just to be clear, again, we're not, uh, I, I have to offer this uh, disclaimer every time, but it's it's important. We're not saying that there isn't a pandemic. We're not saying that we should do what we can to mitigate risk. However, we still have a right to privacy, at least as of this hour. And um, let's face it, um, people can sometimes be a little overzealous in uh when they're given a little bit of responsibility and power and when neighbors are being encouraged to snoop and spy on neighbors and we're seeing this play out, um, you know, maybe someone goes to visit their elderly parents because they've been isolated for a while and it's not good for their mental health. And so you have to assess risk 
and say to yourself, well, I've been living in a bubble for a while. I think I'm, I know I'm asymptomatic. I'm going to go visit my, my 95 year old mother. I might even hug her, perish the thought, but she needs human contact. She needs uh, to see her children. And uh, I think we have to take that risk. There's more to life than simply avoiding death. Uh, so then you have a, a neighbor who sees a car in the driveway and calls the police. And before you know it, we have people being pulled out of the house by their ear. Civil liberties be damned. And this is where we're at. So uh, we're talking about maintaining your privacy during COVID lockdowns. Go ahead, Gabriel. Yeah, and so, of course, all of the regular privacy techniques double during this time, but I'll focus on a couple of things, including what you mentioned just there, right? So, yeah, I was deeply disturbed earlier in 2020 to check my local Reddit, and I saw people shaming others who were not wearing masks around town and suggesting they get reported or, or their, their shops boycotted. It's nasty East Germany, turn your neighbor in kind of stuff going on out there. And for those who think that, oh, you know, we're not like, you know, we're not like those those people in the past who, you know, turned to tyranny, who turned to dictators. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. Um, but so a couple things you can do, right? You know, uh, be selective about when you go places, you know, go places early in the morning, uh, late at night. Um, I'm a big advocate of building a garage so that people can't see who's coming and going. Um, of course, you know, consider moving elsewhere, you know, do your research. Um, and then, you know, the, the other big thing with COVID, the COVID lockdowns is the contact tracing. And this is simply, you know, taking cellular phone technology that we've integrated into our lives for the last decade and using it against us. So first of all, if you want privacy and freedom, of course, you know, you won't participate in, in these sorts of things. Um, that goes without saying. Um, it's more tricky if you live somewhere where it's mandatory. Uh, some of the more totalitarian jurisdictions right now, like Poland, uh, if you go off the radar for more than, you know, 20 minutes or something, they'll, they'll come after you. And there are serious, serious consequences for breaking the rules. I, I read the other day, a lady in Singapore is facing five months in prison for messing with our contact tracing. So if, if you're in that situation, I, I don't know what to say. You know, move if you can, you know, pray, hire a boat. I, I don't know. Um, but if you're in a slightly less authoritarian place, you can try to play the, you know, I don't have a phone card. Um, see where it gets you. Um, you know, if you use internet-based messaging apps, uh, then you can go from Wi-Fi to Wi-Fi without having to use your phone um, and having it blast out your location all the time. Um, and, you know, I'm a big advocate during these times of just doubling down on learning to do without your phone. And we can talk about phone privacy separately. I, I think it's a it's a big issue. But especially now when your phone could potentially, you know, uh, be giving out a signal that, you know, is indicating whether or not you're being a bioterrorist or not. Um, it's especially important to sort of double down on the phone privacy. Um and, you know, maybe a couple other things I'll say is if you do go traveling, you know, just, you know, be careful. Um, there was an example of a anti-lockdown protest. I think this was in Denver several months ago. And there was an organization that actually tracked the phone number, the the phones of the people who were there. And they, they were noticing what states they were turned to. Right now, keep in mind that these people are considered attempted murderers, basically, right? As I said, bioterrorists. So, and, and this isn't fancy technology. You, you can go to Verizon and use something called Verizon Insights and buy the phone location information for people who have attended certain kinds of rallies, right? It's a, it's a marketing thing. Now, they don't reveal the names, 
But of course, the government would know that. But it just shows you how easy some of this stuff is. So, you know, if you're doing this kind of stuff, if you're traveling, I advocate, you know, don't bring your phone or put it in a Faraday bag, which is a special bag that blocks all signals. And you can take the phone out when you're ready to use it again. Um, and if, you know, use a GPS unit, a dedicated GPS unit, in, you know, instead of using Google Maps on your phone. Um, and just start to think through these kind of systems and, you know, stop relying on tech so much and, and plan accordingly. Um, when you travel, you know, of course, use cash, uh, you know, even for fueling your car, um, you know, and if you stay at a hotel, Airbnb, try to go outside of the Airbnb system, um, you know, try to get into a hotel, you know, with without your name. Um, and, you know, I guess the last thing to say is, you know, there's a lot of people who are having to go back to work or school and they're having to, you know, do all these kinds of things, go to testing, give up extra information. And this is a reminder, first of all, that it's really great to be self-employed. And so, especially now you can, you know, you can create a consulting company and, you know, deal with your biz, deal with your, you know, original company in that kind of way. You know, starting a business is a really fundamental way to get out of these systems. And if you can't do that and you're at home, uh, just a reminder, you know, protect your cybersecurity. There's a lot of phishing attacks going on right now because hackers uh, and malicious actors know that people are home and they're, they've never been on their computers more. And so watch out for phishing attacks. We can we can talk more about that. Um, but be very careful what you click on in your emails. You know, keep your software updated, um, you know, and separate your business from your personal accounts when you're working from home. Um, and so th these are just a couple of, of tips for the, the COVID lockdown times. 5G is being rolled out and we're told that uh, this is you know, necessary infrastructure in order to create what they're calling the Internet of all things. Uh, it's going to be, I would imagine, far more difficult in this Internet of all things to, to, to maintain privacy. What are some of the what are some of the risks? What are some of the the the, uh, the problems as you see it with this and the challenges with this Internet of all things and 5G? All right. So so the Internet of things and, and 5G is just a an easier way of, of facilitating these things. Um, and so, you know, th these days, there's so much stuff being connected, right? You know, uh, I think of the, you know, the British novel Howard's End by Ian Forster, and he has this this epigraph and he says, you know, only connect, right? And, you know, whatever that means, we're, we're definitely doing it today, right? We want to connect our devices, our accounts, you know, our, our Tesla car and solar panels to our phone, which I think is mandatory, actually, for Tesla. Um, you know, websites say, you know, don't worry about a new account, just sign in with your Apple ID. And, you know, um, one of the people high up in Cisco, and Cisco is a is a big tech company. Um, this person said, "quote We estimate that only one percent of things that could have an IP address do have an IP address today. So we we like we like to say that 99% of the world is still asleep." And then she goes on to say, "It's up to our imaginations to figure out what will happen when the 99% wakes up." So that's that's kind of creepy when I hear that, but you know. What kind of things could happen? Well, there's another good book. It's called Future Crimes by Mark Goodman. And this is what he says about the Internet of all things. This is his imagination, thinking about how it could work. And he says, quote, at the scene of a suspected crime, cops will be able to interrogate their refrigerator and ask the equivalent of, hey, buddy, did you see anything? 
child social workers will know that there hasn't been any milk or diapers in the house, and the only thing stored in the fridge has been beer for the past week. The Internet of Things also opens up the world for perfect enforcement. When sensors are everywhere and all data are tracked and recorded, it becomes more likely that you will receive a moving violation for going 26 miles per hour in a 25 mile per hour zone and get a parking ticket for being 17 seconds over on the meter. As today's red light cameras have already shown, when everything is connected, nothing can be hidden, particularly when infractions translate into revenue for government agencies and their business partners. And so he wrote that four years ago. Uh, and of course, today we're already seeing this kind of thing. You know, think of an Amazon Alexa, which is sitting in your home. Now, Amazon admits, you can go look this up, that they have given the information from Alexas to policing agencies who have requested them. And so Alexas are listening to everything that you're saying. It, it seems to be that they're listening to everything you're saying. And so, I mean, that's kind of silly to have these kind of devices, but it just shows you that we're so obsessed with connecting things. And, you know, the other thing, the ultimate connection device, Richard, are you familiar with uh, Elon Musk's neural link? Oh, yes. Yes. Th this frightens Absolutely. Me. Yes. And so basically the neural link, you are literally sewing a, a computer chip to people's brains and it has the uh, ability to change emotions, you know, even it seems manipulate thoughts. It, it, it's a scary future, but this is all in the trend of connected, being connected for the sake of, of being connected. Um, and you know, uh, I like to tell people to say, oh, I'll never use a neural link. Well, what happens when it triples people's IQ and you can't compete anymore? What's going to happen then? You're going to be a, a second class citizen at this point. So, you know, this, you know, always connected means always watching, means chilling effect, means control and censorship and self-censorship and the erosion of the individualism that could even fathom privacy. And so go ahead. I was just going to say, though, isn't there a risk that if we if we opt out of these things, it's like the Luddites during the uh, the Industrial Revolution. You know, they were they objected to this mechanization and they didn't want people to be they didn't want to lose their job. Uh, and so they would you know, you've heard the that old saying about throwing um, throwing a monkey wrench into the machine. That's where it started. Right. With the Luddites, they tried to physically damage this this uh, equipment in order to prevent more automation. So now here we are, uh, I guess the equivalent of, of the Luddite, trying to uh, opt out. But if we opt out, won't we be left behind? It's almost like, you know, if you don't take the mark of the beast, you won't be able to sell or buy. Yeah, no, it, it's a good point. I don't have an easy answer. I'm 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 not anti-technology. Obviously, you know, I'm 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 interested in cybersecurity. I you know I have all these things that are great assets in my life. I you know I love technology. Um, but the thing that I see about things like Neuralink is that when we start to get to changing fundamentally changing human nature, right? Changing the human, right? When you become part of essentially a hive mind is what Neuralink is doing. You are eroding human nature. You're eroding the basic reality of the universe, which is that we have access to our own private mind. And so- Gabriel, you know, I gotta me, jump in, pardon the interruption. We're gonna take a quick time out. We'll come back and pick up on that point. The Watchman Guide to Privacy. Gabriel Custody at my guest right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Gabriel Custody at the author of 
the Watchman Guide to Privacy. He is a privacy uh, expert and consultant and a cybersecurity expert. So we were talking about Elon Musk's Neuralink, uh, this fusion of man and computer, where the or uh, humankind and the computer, where the uh, uh, a um, a computer essentially would be somehow connected to the human brain. And um, you, you had a few more points on that before we moved on to other matters. Yeah, I was just going to say, so the the argument that people will put against um, me or, or people like me when when I criticize it is that, oh, you're a, you know, you're a neo-ludite. You don't believe in progress. And I want to interrogate the idea of, of progress, right? Progress is not just, you know, change, right? I, I think we need to look at progress as something that um, is improvement, Right. And so, for example, think about a an AI sex robot. Right. That is, in many ways, an impressive piece of technology. Right. That is progress. But is that a good thing? I think that uh, in many ways is is um, degraded. And I think in many ways uh, that is uh, regression uh, in a number of ways. So we have to be careful about whether progress is just progress for its own sake or whether it is a meaningful contribution to to human nature and of course i'm not i'm not saying by any of this that i'm gonna you know go to the government and say you know ban elon musk from creating Neuralink. um i'm just not interested in these kinds of human nature changing things uh for myself but you know we never actually were allowed in on the on that conversation in terms of i i, I was talking to someone recently about robotics and they've the fourth industrial revolution and the huge job displacement. We're talking about upwards of 60 million permanent job losses in North America in the next five years. Those jobs aren't coming back. Why do people think they're they're beta testing this universal income scheme during COVID? Uh, it's because they realize that they're going to have 60 million people that won't be able to fend for themselves. And so um, uh, this, but we never... We never actually had a, any public discourse on whether we wanted robotic, a robotic revolution, if whether we wanted um, artificial intelligence. It was kind of foisted upon us. Uh, and now, of course, it's it's too late. But in order to to main to remain a functioning member of society, um, to, I, it, it seems like they have us coming or going. I don't know if we can ever, we can escape this at this point. It, it may be, it may be too late, Gabriel. What do you think? Well, um, you you could be you could be right about that. It's hard to say. Um, I guess my approach is to uh, always say, you know, just be informed about these things. You know, tell other people about these things because you're right that it's it's not a conversation that's happening. Um, and really do your due diligence, understand these things, get money for yourself, right? Uh, if you are um, a person who is, you know, one of the people who is, who can understand the engineering of these robots, who can understand the code behind them, then uh, you are in a position of power, right? Um, there, there's a good quotation, I forget who said it. He said, in the future, there's gonna be two kinds of people, those who give instructions to computers and those who receive instructions from computers. And so I guess my approach is just get to a position where you can be the kind of person who would be giving instructions to computers, and then you can uh, you know, have a say in the discourse.
Uh, I recently left WhatsApp because of new um, new terms and conditions that were mandatory that go into effect in February 3rd. And I, I guess it had to do with giving up more of our d- data to Facebook, which uh, my small way of fighting back was I deleted WhatsApp and I, I decided to go with another messaging service called Telegram. And then someone told me that um, Apple and these uh, tech tyrants, uh, I call them digital death squads, uh, have decided that Telegram is a repository of hate and intolerance and um, they can't allow that to stand. And so they may actually go, if you have an Apple phone, which I do, they may actually delete the app without your foreknowledge. Can they do that? Um, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. They can obviously take it off of their store. Can they delete it from your phone? I don't know. I mean, I suppose they can. The thing about Apple, Richard, is that they have they have such a walled garden. They have such control over every aspect of their technology that when you buy into Apple, you basically, right, Apple says, oh, you know, we, we, we protect your privacy. Well, you know, maybe they can. But that is a, a thing and decision that only I can make. And so Apple likes to wave the magic wand and say, um, here's what we're introducing onto our software. And you don't really have a say in it. That's just the, the ecosystem that you buy into. So I don't know if they can actually remove Telegram uh, from your phone. Um, I, I guess we'll have to find out. You know, it used to be that, you know, your crazy uncle who would uh, swear up and down even in the 1970s, that our television sets were watching us. Turns out our crazy uncle was true, just ahead of his time. Uh, to what extent are our TV, our smart TVs actually watching us? I'm going to leave that as a kind of a, a cliffhanger because we're up against a break here. This was a short segment. So, Gabriel, hold on. I'll get you to address that. And uh, much more. We'll talk about ways we're losing privacy that we're not even aware of. Back with more of my conversation with Gabriel Custodia, the author of The Watchman Guide to Privacy. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. So to what extent are our televisions watching us and listening to us, Gabriel? Yeah, so today you go to a store and you know you buy a TV and almost all of them are smart TVs. So what is a smart TV? Well, a smart TV basically means that it connects to the internet, it connects to the Wi-Fi. And so when you set up that TV, it's going to ask to connect to your Wi-Fi network. <clears throat> and at that point, it could be sharing all kinds of stuff. So a smart TV has built into it various apps, right? It has your Netflix, it has your Google Prime, whatever you know, whatever you want, it usually has built in. And the reason why these TV prices are so cheap these days is because they are these TV manufacturers, it seems, um, and I, I'm pretty sure there's some some uh, documentation of this, are selling some of your viewing data. So you may say, well, who cares what I watch? Who cares if they know what I watch? Well. You know, they could, um, you know, they, they can see what kinds of programs you're interested in. You, they have sophisticated algorithms. They could probably guess your politics. They can see your IP address from your Wi-Fi, which means they know your location, right? So this is all very, <laughs> this is all very juicy, important data. Now, in addition to that, a lot of smart TVs do have 
uh, microphones these days that are built into them. And this is for, um, you know, giving it verbal instructions, right? Because we can't be bothered to pick up the remote anymore. We have to <laughs> sit on our sofa and tell the TV what to do. Um, and so it, it's really hard to spot these things. You really sort of have to look at the details of your, of your TV um, and, and see where these kinds of things are. Now, what can you do about this? Well, it, it's difficult because all, all the TVs these days are are smart TVs. And so what you can do if you, if you need a smaller TV, uh, go for a computer monitor. They don't have these uh, sorts of things. Um, computer monitors don't get that big, uh, unfortunately. Um, besides that, you can try to track down an older TV. And, you know, this is a good time to, um, you know, learn to buy things outside of Amazon. Uh, and so, you know, go to Craigslist, uh, you know, go to um, Facebook Marketplace, you know, go go somewhere else and, and buy an old TV. Um, because, yeah, I, I certainly don't want my TV um, reporting my location, what I'm watching how often I watch it, um, and possibly even listening to me. That's something I definitely don't want in a TV. I want to go back to phones because we we, we touched on phone privacy, but I want to drill down a little deeper on that. So run us through some some do's and don'ts for uh, smartphone pri privacy. Absolutely. <clears throat> so the important thing to realize about the phone is that it's different from your computer. And it's different from your computer in a couple of ways. First of all, of course, it has a chip that sends out an, electro an electronic signal to a nearby uh, tower, right? That's how we can use the phone and use the internet you know, wherever we are. But of course, by doing that, that is pinpointing our location to the uh, telecom provider you know, within a couple of meters. So that's a very revealing thing. And you know, we, can, we can come back to, uh, I mean, just, just look at COVID the COVID lockdowns for how important your location is. Um, but we can come back to that geolocation aspect of phones. The other difference that your phone has compared to your computer is that it has what I would call a highly incestuous operating system, right? So we talked earlier about how phones are built from the ground up for convenience. And so a lot of these apps are communicating with each other. There was a Wall Street Journal article uh, in 2019, and they showed that your Facebook app was communicating with a number of different apps on the phone, including a menstruation tracker, including an investment tracker, and they were sharing stuff, right? And so you also have on your phone a camera and a microphone, and you mix all these things together, and suddenly you really have no clue what kinds of things are uh, are being shared and, and amalgamated, right? And of course, a phone is different from the computer in that we always have it with us. So it's there, you know, the microphone is there at all times. Um, and it's beaming out our location at all times. Right. And so what I tell people, first of all, of course, is, you know, stop relying on your phone for as many things as you do. Do more things on your PC or laptop. Um, you know, these days you can even make phone calls from a computer. Right. I went an entire month uh, last year without a phone. And, you know, I run a business, I do tech stuff, um, you know, I have I have family I need to talk to. I went an entire month without a phone. And that's because you can make these calls from a computer these days. And you can use services like MySudo, which is an internet-based uh, sort of phone service. And so the other thing I would say is, on your phone, be minimalist, right? So if all these apps are communicating with each other, then don't download them, right? You don't need a YouTube app on your phone. Get a browser such as the Firefox Focus browser, which is pretty good, and go to YouTube from there, 
right? You don't need a dedicated weather app. Get rid of the weather app and these weather apps share location and all kinds of stuff. Just go and check the weather from the browser. And so go through your phone and uh, remove everything you don't need. And while you're at it, remove some of the permissions that some of these apps do have that you think they don't need. And then, of course, um, you know, stop using the basic SMS text messaging. Don't use the basic SMS text messaging. Don't use the standard phone calling. We have, as you mentioned, Richard, better options, more private options. You mentioned Telegram. Um, I like to recommend Signal and Session and Wire. These are zero-knowledge services, end-to-end -end encrypted, uh, much better than SMS, much more secure. Um, you should be using these to communicate with everybody in your circle. Um, just a couple of other things for phones. You know, keep your camera covered, especially the one facing you. You can get, you know, just a little piece of electric tape, um, especially if you don't take photos. You can even buy a little device called a mic lock to put in your uh, audio jack, and this will prevent the microphone from working. Um, and you can take it out whenever you need to use it. Um, and if you really want to start over from scratch, you can, you know, buy a new phone with cash, of course, and then buy a SIM card with cash. And that way you don't have to register your name uh, in, in many countries. You don't have to register your name at all with this. And you have a uh, basically a totally anonymous phone. Um, and then the last thing I'd say, Richard, is, you know, some people say, well, what kind of phone should I get? Well, you know, there's a myth that dumb phones are the solution. If only I have a dumb phone, it's not going to be communicating. Well, it's still beaming out your location, first of all. And with a dumb phone, you can't use the encrypted apps, uh, messaging apps that I just mentioned. So a dumb phone, unfortunately, is not the answer. Get a basic smartphone. I don't care if it's, you know, it's Apple, Android, whatever. Um, you know, some people like these super private privacy phones and such. But unfortunately, they don't use these secure messaging apps. And that I see as the uh, characteristic of a good phone is that it can use these secure messaging apps. And at that point, you just simply have to change your behavior, stop making the phone the center of your life, and start making it what it should be, which is a useful way to communicate with people sometimes while you're out and about. We just have a, a couple minutes left. Run through a couple of ways that we're losing privacy that we're not even aware of that we haven't discussed yet. Ah, uh, yes. So um, here's a fun one. Um, uh, there's a company, WM Waste Management, and this is a you know this is a giant uh, waste management service in the United States, um, and they have a program. I'm not making this up. They have a program called Waste Watch, um, and and so this is exactly this is verbatim from their site. They say. Our truck drivers often drive through community streets in the early hours of the morning. This puts them in an ideal position to spot unusual and potentially dangerous situations, especially if they are trained to recognize signs of trouble. So, you know, some people in the privacy community have known this for a while, but, you know, let me break that down. You know, these trash people, the trash collectors, they're paid and they're trained to surveil your house and your trash. Um, and let me tell you another thing. Your trash is very revealing. Right. Your bank statements, your medications, your hobbies, your assets, uh, the list goes on. If you live in Europe and you put your TV box out by the road, uh, you might get a visit from the government about your TV license. Um, and so you, you can use your imagination uh, for what kinds of uh, trouble you could get into. Um, so, of course, the solution is make sure everything is in the bin. Uh, burn your trash if you can. Get a shredder especially a microcut shredder, um, and then burn that. Uh, you know, dispose of items elsewhere. 
And you know, just be aware, as with all the systems in our lives, be aware of um, what you're putting in the trash because that is, uh, once you do that, public knowledge. How do we get a copy of uh, The Watchman Guide to Privacy? So um, The Watchman Guide to Privacy is available on Amazon. Uh, it's on sale in honor of this show, uh, maybe for the next 48 hours or so. And of course, I, I'm working on other avenues in which to sell it. You know, we just bashed uh, t- uh, big tech companies. Um, so that's The Watchman Guide to Privacy. And I wrote it because I believe it's the most important information that you can have today. So, And... Um... Are you, um, I mean, do you, obviously you practice what you preach, but does it, does it make life more difficult for you or is it just second nature now? Withholding information and, and, and so forth. Yeah, it does become second nature. Uh, and anybody who's getting into this stuff, I would say just ease into it slowly. It does become second nature. It doesn't hold you back. Um, and you will find that, you know, once you become more private, more minimalist, that uh, life can become more enjoyable. There's fewer distractions. You, you know, have more genuine interactions with people. Um, and a lot of the buzz that's surrounding the average person sort of dissipates. So it is definitely worth the effort. All right, Gabriel, thank you so much. Very uh, useful uh, information that you've related tonight. I really appreciate you hanging out. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope this was helpful. Gabriel Custodia, The Watchman Guide to Privacy. Uh, next week, Matt Landman will be with us, activist Matt Landman, documentary filmmaker for the full two hours, talking about uh, 5G. Speaking of 5G, which uh, we just alluded to. All right, that's it for us. My thanks to Carlos and Ryan. Back next week. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I, pro- what I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.